welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. Happy March, everyone. Can you believe we're already two-thirds of the way through the super jam-packed w- winter 2021 anime season and only a month away from beginning spring? Uh, hope your anime watching has been going well. I've mostly been hanging in there, maybe behind on a couple of series, but nothing some binge watching won't take care of. Um, I've also got to start looking into sequels happening next season so that I can try to catch up on their first seasons first. Now, for this episode, I know I was saying I was going to do a deep dive on a particular director. However, the recent news of Daft Punk's retirement and breakup led me to finally, for the first time ever, watch the entirety of Interstellar 5555, the album-length music video for the 2001 album Discovery. And I just had to talk about it. And, you know, reminisce also about my relationship with Daft Punk. Uh, The research for that led to a couple of rabbit holes about Francis' relationship with Japan and the history of Western artists using anime and music videos, but we'll get there in in all good time. So strap in, because we're about to get harder, better, faster, and stronger. Uh, But before all that, one little bit of housekeeping. As you may know, yet another anime podcast is just one of many podcasts that I independently produce. And while we're still about a month away from this show hitting its one-year anniversary, um... You know, I on another show that I, I work on, my box office show, Box Office Watch, I recently hit my one-year anniversary there of producing a weekly series. Now, one of the promises I made to myself was that if I hit a year of podcasting and still want to do it, I'd start to look into how to defray the costs of producing a show, uh, the time spent, and the various technical hosting costs. Um, as you can tell, I definitely want to keep this up, so I'm letting you, dear listener, know that I've actually started a Patreon for all of the podcasts on the Ninja Boy Media Network. I'm still figuring out exactly what perks will be going on which tier level, but uh, for now, I have some that include asking me a question to answer on air or even picking a topic for an entire episode. No worries. If you choose not to subscribe to the Patreon, this podcast will always be free to listen on wherever you're getting your podcast now, and I appreciate you for for tuning in and subscribing. Uh, If you are able to contribute, though, a link to that will be in the show notes. Okay, back to talking about Daft Punk and Interstellar 5555. So I've always had a soft spot for Daft Punk. I may not be the most well-versed or knowledgeable when it comes to music history. I certainly know they were influential. I just don't know exactly how and what the context for that is. Uh, But in that way, certain songs trigger nostalgia for certain parts of your life. Many formative memories of mine, especially in college, were set to Daft Punk's music. Uh, In particular, I think about seeing Tron Legacy in theaters with my high school friends before we all went our separate ways to college, which Daft Punk, of course, provided the soundtrack for. I also think about my junior year summer of college when their latest album, Random Access Memories, was released and their collaboration with Pharrell Williams and Get Lunky was all over the airwaves. Had some really great times that summer. The 
legend of the phoenix. And of course, as part of my Filipino Student Association's annual cultural festival, there were many times when we danced and choreographed to Daft Punk's music for our grand finale pieces, uh, be it my sophomore year to Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, or my senior year to the Pentatonics mashup of Daft Punk songs. Now, while the fact that the French music house music duo disbanded last month doesn't really change anything, they haven't really released anything in the seven years since Random Access Memories, there's still something kind of sad about the end of an era, you know, where somewhere the robots who made up Daft Punk are no longer making music, and we had hope that, you know, they would one day return for another legendary live tour. Alas, uh, we are all we are left our memories, and of course, their amazing discography. Of these, their sophomore album, Discovery, released in 2001, is of special importance to anime fans specifically. While I'll leave it to other music podcasts to perhaps break apart the significance of their sampling or their sift away from Chicago house music and their deb- from their de- debut album to this more eclectic set of inspirations for this outing, what I can talk about is their full-length music video slash movie for the album, Interstellar 5555, The Story of the Secret Star Systems. I don't know how to pronounce five as letters since that's how they replace all the S's in there, but in any case, Interstellar 5555. Obviously, Daft Punk is no stranger to having their music used in films. I just mentioned that they composed the score for the 2010 film Tron Legacy, arguably the best element of that film. And they've also had other video projects attached to their works. Their first album, Homework, had a video home release of a collection of music videos from their first album called A Story About Dogs, Androids, Firemen, and Tomatoes, or Daft. Um, And they also directed a avant-garde science fiction film in 2006 called Electroma, which they actually used footage for in their retirement announcement video. However, what they do in Interstellar is unlike any other music video, frankly, I've seen. Interstellar 5555 is essentially a full-length film with zero dialogue, with the only audio component of these films being the 14 tracks of their album Discovery in order in their entirety. The film basically serves as the 14 music videos for their album, or one music video taken in its entirety, which, you know, to have 14 music videos for your entire album is 
it is pretty substantial in and of itself. Now, there are a couple of sound effects throughout, but there is no dialogue aside from what may be the lyrics already have in question. Um, it may not be winning any screenplay or writing awards, but it does have a surprisingly well-developed narrative. Uh, the first parts of the film covering the first four songs, One More Time, Aerodynamic, Digital Love, and Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger were widely sold on television here in the States. In fact, I definitely remember that I'd only really seen Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, arguably my favorite Daft punk song of all time uh you know and of them you know the aliens being turned into you know uh to, to getting their memories overridden and, and changing into you know normal not blue skinned humans but we'll get to that in a little bit anyway um in particular though these music videos were widely circulated in 2001 on cartoon network and toonami so i'll talk about the story up to that point uh where these video which these videos covered to minimize spoilers Essentially, on another planet filled with blue-skinned humanoid aliens, a planet-wide conjuring is going on, headlined by the band in question, um, you know, with everyone literally dancing in the streets. However, mid-concert, a mysterious military force from, another from an yet another planet invades and kidnaps the band in question, copying and overriding their memories and coloring their skin to be more Earth-like. Uh, meanwhile, another blue-skinned pilot in a guitar-shaped spaceship, uh, awesome design, uh, who has a crush on the bassist, bassist of the band, receives a distress signal from the homeworld and pursues the kidnappers. The rest of the film follows from here. You know, who is the mysterious man with the technology to travel through wormholes? Why is he only after musical acts from other planets? What does he want from them? Will our brave pilot be able to rescue the band and will they all be able to make their way home? I think part of why this film works so well is because of the complete and total synergy between the music and the visuals on screen. And really when you think about it, it makes sense. In anime production, generally, the animation component is completed almost in its entirety, um, if, not at if not at least most of the way through, before any audio, music, score, voice acting, or sound effects are implemented. Uh, here though, Daft Punk already had the complete album done before approaching the animation studios Toei uh, with the idea to create the film. As such, the animation was basically set, was made to the music in mind, custom-made bespoke for this music. So how did the French house duo decide that they wanted an anime album uh, movie uh, for their sophomore album? Well, we'll take a slight detour actually into the history of Japanese and French cultural exchange. As we were taught in history, Japan prior to the second half in the 19th of the 19th century was mostly closed off from the rest of the world, with the exception of some Dutch traders uh, in Nagasaki who relayed some scientific uh, documents from France uh, to the Japanese. Then, in 1854, Commodore Perry forced Japan to open on behalf of America, and France soon followed with dipl diplomatic ties being established in 1858. 
For much of the next century, much trade would take place between the two countries, with Japan providing silk and France providing technology to help them catch up to the rest of the industrialized world, a strong match given the importance of silk to the French luxury textile industry. Uh, Japan also famously influenced Japanese uh, French artists with their ukiyo-e, uh, ukiyo-e uh, woodblock art style, uh, including one uh, artist known as Vincent Van Gogh. You might have heard of him. Given that ukiyo-e is an early precursor to manga, I guess you could draw a connection between Van Gogh and Naruto. Anyway, fast forward to the 1960s into the 70s, as Japan recovered from World War II and the world became increasingly globalized, Japan and France's cultural exchange continued. Uh, Notably, and not at all related to this episode, uh, there was a massive crossover in the culinary world as many Japanese chefs went to Paris to train and returned home to open their own French cooking restaurants, and vice versa. It's why cooking animates such as Food Wars, there's such a heavy emphasis on French styles of cooking. Anyway, back to anime. In the late 1970s and early 80s, French TV producers began contracting with Japanese studios such as Piero or TMS or Toei to make French-Japanese anime for the French market. Ulysses 31, for example, brought the Greek story of Odysseus to the 31st century. Uh, in addition, World Masterpiece Theater from Nippon Animation uh, adapted classic European tales into anime-style movies. Uh, one of the most famous of these is Heidi of the Alps. Um, now, while this is a bit outside of the time range of for this podcast, French anime fans also owed to the late 80s cult TV show Club Dorothy for introducing Toei and Tokukatsu shows to the younger generations of that time period. Uh, in addition, France has also always had a strong history of comic books. Think Asterix the Gaul, for example, or the Smurfs, uh, and that lowered the cultural barrier and, and that needed to be overcome for them to accept Japanese manga. Hence, this actually is status as France as having the largest market outside of Asia and the US for anime and manga today, uh, and definitely the largest in Europe, uh, to the point where there's actually a number of anime and manga that originate from France uh, in the first place, most notably Radiant, which has aired 42 episodes so far. Uh, in addition, the, the French award of the Knight of the Order of Arts and Letters uh, from the government is basically a recognition of one's contributions to the art world, um, and it's been given to many famous anime and manga creators such as Isao Takahada from Studio Ghibli, Katsuhiro Otomo of Akira fame, and Akira Toriyama from Dragon Ball. Anyway, how does this all relate to Daft Punk? Well, the two members of Daft Punk, Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo and Thomas Bangalter, was born were born in 1974. And it's likely that they grew up in this crucial period where anime was being shown on TV at the time. Uh, in fact, they specifically referenced the series Space Pirate Captain Harlock as a huge inspiration in their childhood, as well as Go Guy's Grandizer, Grandizer, and Soju series Candy Candy. Uh, If the concept of their entire Discovery album was, as they put it, incorporating their childhood memories and having a playful, honest, open mind to listening and appreciating music without trying to judge or analyze it, it makes sense that they try to incorporate big influences from their childhood, such as their favorite TV show.
In fact, Daft Punk went so far as to approach the creator of said favorite series, Captain Harlock, to help create Interstellar. Leiji Matsumoto, who is another recipient of that French knighthood for a contribution to the arts, uh, is the it was the supervising producer on Interstellar 5555. Born in 1938, Matsumoto Sensei is perhaps most well known for his work as a mangaka and anime director uh, in the genre of space operas. His most famous works, aside from Interstellar, are the hugely influential space battle Yamato, Galaxy Express 999, and the aforementioned space pirate Captain Harlock. And while Matsumoto was just the supervisor on the project over director Kazuhisa Takenuchi, you, can, you still gotta take a step back and just admire the gall of these galls, uh, of these robot boys. Um, this would be like if somebody went up to Pete Doctor after watching Inside Out and asking him to direct a movie slash extended music video for your album, and he just said yes. Now, not only did he say yes, he delivered the story on scope and on brand for what really inspired them. You know. Uh, Matsumoto is known for stories of sacrifice and remembering fallen heroes in his space operas, which clearly Interstellar, uh, if you watch it entirely, does have. Honestly, there's not much else to really say about Interstellar uh, in this project, you know, aside from the fact that I strongly recommend you check it out. On my mail, I gave it a 5 out of 5 on my grading scale. Um, and this is even if you're not necessarily a Daft Punk fan, fan right? Like Interstellar 5555 is an experience unlike anything else in the anime. Heck, you could even go get some deeper thematic ideas out of it, perhaps about the criticism of the entertainment industry for sucking the soul out of the creative process, or a more optimistic view about the universal power of music to connect us all across planets even. Hat tip to Beyond Ghibli and the Armchair Auteurs on YouTube for their videos on Innocella that I referenced in making this, video, this episode. I'll link to them in the show notes. Anyway, before we sign off, I had one other rabbit hole I wanted to share uh, that I did while f fell into while researching this episode. Well, it's certainly the, this is certainly the highest profile use of anime in a Western music video. It's by no means the only one. You know, the first instance I could find of was actually of anime being used in a Western music video was actually for the song "Girlfriend" by alt pop musician Matthew Street, which featured clips from the anime Space Adventure Cobra all the way back in 1991. Also predating Daft Punk is Michael Jackson's 1995 song, Scream. Now, this is one of the few music videos he, where Michael didn't come up with the idea for, for it. Instead, he had director Mark Romanek uh, put this one together, and uh, Romanek included clips from the anime's Zillion and Akira. <laughs> Now, Kanye West has long known to be an anime fan, and his 2007 song, Stronger, which samples Daft Punk's song, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, isn't anime per se, but there are definitely clear references to Akira throughout. 
he'd later get a music video from Japanese artist Takashi Murakami in his typical super flat style for his song Good Morning. Plus, he also collabed with Daft Punk at the 50th Grammy Awards on their first ever televised performance. Now, Linkin Park isn't who you may normally think about when it comes to anime, perhaps, but the 2009 music video for Breaking the Habit was actually created by Studio Gonzo, who also created anime such as Full Metal Panic, Helsing, Welcome to the NHK, and Afro Samurai, among many others. In 2016, electronic house producer Porter Robinson, in collaboration with Crunchyroll, released his song and music video for Selter, which was produced by A1 Pictures and directed by Toshihumi Akai. Like Daft Punk, uh, Porter Robinson reached out to the creators of his favorite anime. He cited Anohana, which A1 Pictures created, as one of his favorite shows. Um, and this is another case of a Western artist directly reaching out to that to make his own anime, Living the Dream. It's also notable because this one caused a bit of a shitstorm online uh, when the Reddit subreddit, anime subreddit mods took it down when it was initially posted back in 2016 for not being for Japanese audiences and kind of uh, you know, leading to a whole what is anime uh, existential crisis. The last one that I'm going to mention uh, on this list is Flying Lotus's music video for more featuring Anderson Pack. Uh, this one came out in 2019 and is another entirely animated music video, uh, this time directed by the legendary Shinichiro Watanabe of Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Sampleu, Space Dandy fame. Of course, Flying Lotus would return the favor by working with Watanabe on his music anime, Carol and Tuesday. Yes, Someone hit me the other day for a rendezvous. Long time no see was the time she used. Bright eyes like the lights at the carnival. Hell combos but never held accountable. How's your mama do? How your papa doing? Oh, me, hopping freer than the sample food. But like a sample loop, around around I move until it's clear. Then I'm back to back in bags and loot. Spend years trying to steer both hands on you. Till I finally understood that I was. Now, these are by no means the only Western artists who have had anime music videos, much less anime inspired music videos. Uh, there's a whole other topic about the relationship between anime and specifically the hip-hop scene um, and kind of the influence it's had there since there are so many references being made um, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. And there's also not to mention, you know, we were talking about official music videos. Don't forget there's a, a whole other phenomenon of AMVs, fan-made anime music videos that take anime uh, and then edit them together to, you know, be music videos for uh, Western songs. Again, not by the official, you know, fans and reusing content, but um, again, that's a whole other episode topic. And again, this is all just Western artists specifically. We haven't even talked about anime music videos for Japanese artists or other Asian artists as in general. In 
any case, I hope you enjoyed this tribute to Daft Punk's influence on my life by way of talking about Interstellar 5555 and all the related tangents about French-Japanese cultural exchange and Western anime music videos. Like I said at the top, while the fact that they're no longer collaborating doesn't really change my day-to-day -day life, I'm still gonna miss them, you know, and their, you know, robot mask and, and whatnot and, and their funky grooves, you know, it's still bittersweet to realize that they're, that they're no longer together. It makes me nostalgic for simpler times, times when their newest songs were the soundtrack to my life and when I had could watch all the anime I wanted in a single day. But you know, this episode, while I can't go back there, is my own way of going down memory lane. Just like how Daft Punk did when they went down to their childhood in creating this audiovisual masterpiece. Here's to them, here's to their artistry and legacy, and here's to appreciating them just one more time. One more time. Let me know what your favorite Daft Punk song is, or what your favorite Daft Punk related memories are. What did you think of Interstellar 5555 if, you if you've seen it? Are there any other Western artists making anime music videos that I didn't mention that are up there? So I do an episode on fan-made AMVs at some point. You can let me know on Twitter at YetAnnoAnimePod or via email at YetAnotherAnimePodcast at gmail.com. You can find my Mal at NinjaBoy333, boy with an I. Uh, we are found on all major podcast services, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review, or at the very least, just share it with another weeby friend of yours. Uh, if you want to more directly support the show, you can do so on Patreon.com, but whatever you do, I really appreciate you. Uh, links to all of those will be in the show notes. Intro and outro music provided by Suichi Sakagami at Tendis.com, and of course, some of the music listening to this episode come from Daft Punk's discography. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this episode. We air on the first and third Fridays of each month. Next time on yet another anime podcast, we'll return yet again to my childhood and look at some older Weekly Sonin Jump manga that definitely defined my youth. But until then, see you, Space Cowboy. <laughs>